Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, we're here to take over. Come on, don't be bashful about that. Say that we're here to take over. That, listen, that's what dominion is. Dominion is taking over. And when we say we, we're not saying us in our own kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And that is, listen, when we talk about the kingdom, sometimes we talk about dominion, we get a little bit bashful. But if you're getting bashful when you're talking about dominion, it's because you don't understand what it is. Dominion is about the kingdom of God taking over the planet. This is what God is all about. This is what Jesus came for. He didn't come to just give you a good day. He didn't, he didn't come to to call sides. He came to take over. And so when we've said yes to him, when we've placed our trust in him, when we responded to his gospel, we didn't respond to the gospel of forgiveness. We didn't respond to the gospel of of just provision or all those things are included in the gospel. They're included in the gospel because it's the gospel of the kingdom. That's the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel of the kingdom, right? Not a, not a social gospel. Come on, not a political gospel. I, the government of God's gospel. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom, the king's domain. And so today, what I want to do, today's message, I just, I really struggled with it because I'm, you know, I'm like a five-point guy, you know, I like to have all the points and and I don't really have a lot of points. I have a lot of points, but they're not all like articulated, like a really good message is is formed. But, but really what I wanted to do today is I wanted to lay some groundwork for this series as we move into this. So we kind of know uh, about dominion and we're, we're kind of laying some some foundations as we move forward into this summer and we'll we'll be in this series uh, through July and so there's many ways if you mess a, uh, miss a message or whatever to, to get a hold of that so the, the theme throughout the scripture if, if you ask someone what do you think the Bible is about and most people will say it's about God and it, and it's or it, it nowadays people would say it's about the love of God right the Bible's about the love of God and yes the Bible is about the love of God. Really, the point of the Bible is this, Jesus. The point of the Bible is Jesus. But the theme, the great theme throughout the scriptures is the kingdom of God. It's what we see in the beginning in Genesis. It's what we see in the beginning of when Jesus comes and starts preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then it's what we see in Revelation. We see the fullness of the kingdom demonstrated where the Lord comes and he renews the earth and it's a new heaven and a new earth all under what? The kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom just means this, God's domain. It's everything that God rules over. It's everything that, that, that is, that, and, and this is the deal. God, God doesn't come in and force his rulership. He looks for people to go, I surrender to it. So that's why in worship, we lift our hands. We don't lift our hands because we're so spiritual. We're lifting our hands because we're saying, Lord, we just surrender to you, right? Or someone said one time, they said, when you're in class, if you know the answer, 
you raise your hands. If you're in class, you got a question, you raise your hands, right? So we do these things, but really what we're doing is we're posturing our hearts and we're saying, Lord, we're just open to whatever you want to do in my life. This is what it means to belong to the kingdom. We're saying, that's why we bow because we're saying, I, I am not here to promote my agenda. I'm not here so God can serve me. I'm here to lay me down and let the king rule my life. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom. And we've kind of got into this thing where we try to, we try to talk people into something, kind of receiving Jesus as this nice little social guy who, who goes around, who's, who's nice to everyone and, and won't ever require anything of you. And this thought has been on my mind. I'm not, I'm not even in my notes yet. This thought has been on my mind recently that, you know, God's standard is really, really high. God's requirements are extreme, but they're fully satisfied. Come on, isn't that good? They're fully satisfied in Jesus. And so the only way that you're gonna please the Lord is not by doing something, but just by trusting Jesus, trusting what he did. That's what the kingdom is about. It's just saying, Lord, you're the ruler, you're the king, and I'm just yielding myself. I believe that you are. I believe that you're good, and I believe that you're a good king. And so I'm just, I'm signing up to be part of your kingdom. Come on, it's not about, yeah. All right. Genesis one. I just, I, I, I'm, I've been excited about this series for a while. So I'm, I'm trying to stay on script a little bit. And if I get off, then we'll just catch up next week. Genesis one. Now today we're talking about being built for dominion. Did you know that you're built for dominion? That the things that the Lord builds are for dominion. Genesis chapter one, verse one, where it all begins in the beginning, God, mm-hmm created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. So there's darkness there. God creates it and there's darkness. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. The very first thing that God does is exercise dominion over darkness. It's the first thing he does. And he separates the darkness from the light just by speaking. He doesn't have to fast. <laughs> Come on. He doesn't have, an, have, have to have an arm wrestling match with the devil, right? Uh, and then there was light. When God says something, it, it happens. And when God saw the light was good, he separated the light from the darkness. So the first thing he does is he separates light from darkness. When you come to the Lord, the first thing that he does is he separates light from darkness. That's what he does. He starts getting rid of all the darkness in your life. And some of you just think that that's your depression, that's your case of the sads, all that kind of stuff. That too. But he gets rid of all the wicked things in your life. He just starts separating the light from the darkness because he's holy and he just lights you up. So God, it, it's interesting that God creates creation and it's not in order. It was perfect because God made it, but it wasn't in order. God still brought order to what he created because it is God's nature to take dominion. 
It's God's nature to take over things. And so, so I just find that really interesting that what he created needed to be governed. And we th- listen, we think that we're gonna come to Jesus. We're gonna, we're gonna sign the sheet. We're gonna say the prayer. We're gonna go through the class. We're gonna do the thing. And then everything's just gonna be in order. No, the rest of your life as a kingdom citizen is gonna be you taking dominion over things. And some of you are not seeing any success outside of yourself because you were so caught up in your own battles and you don't realize that God has created you for more more than a a nice quiet time. And some of you can't even get there. You, you, can't, you don't even have dominion over your time. How are you going to take a city? And he's called you to take a city. He's called you to lead hundreds of people to Jesus. This is how his kingdom has advanced. And you're like, you're like struggling to pray every day. And you got Christian radio and thousands of resources online to help you with that. And you can't even... You don't even have dominion over your time. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. What I'm saying is you've got to realize that you're built for more than just kind of getting by in your faith. Just being a nice little Christian, you know? It's more than just not cussing at the person in traffic. I mean, that is part of it. But the, I mean, these are, those are like baby, baby Christian things. It's not super Christian for you to live in victory over sin. That's normal Christianity. <laughs> Just let you write it down and say it somewhere and I'll, I don't know. So here it is. Whenever God reveals himself, he is expressing his sovereignty. God's kingly rule, his reign, his action, his lordship, his governance. And people get a little nervous when we start using words like dominion, right? Because we've seen it abused. We've seen people make it about stuff. Let's be clear. God has all the dominion. Also... As the ultimate authority, he lends his authority to those he delegates. So when I was growing up, they had this very non-PC show on television called The Dukes of Hazard, And uh, it would not go over very well in 2023. But we loved the Duke boys. The brown boys loved the Duke boys. And there was this guy... On the, there was kind of the adversary of the Duke boys. He was actually the good guy. The Duke, the, the Duke boys were the bad guys, actually, if you really look at the story. But there was a sheriff named Roscoe Pico Train, right? You guys have heard of that guy? And so Roscoe would, would chase the Duke boys in the General Lee, and, and, you know, because they were always up to no good. They were really the bad guys. It's important for us to remember that they were breaking the laws, you know, and uh, they were just getting into trouble. But we do that in movies, right? We make heroes out of villains. And so here's Roscoe doing his job. He's this goofy, you know, sheriff. It's funny how Hollywood always makes authority look silly or, you know, yeah, just undermines dishonor, just this whole thing. And so what happens is, is the Duke boys would, really the star of the show was the car, right? It's the most controversial thing now, but then it was, it was like the thing that we all talked about. We always wanted the General Lee car, and I, I definitely had a Hot Wheel that was the General Lee, and so the, the, the idea for the Duke boys is if they could get out of the county. 
So they knew if they could cross the county line, the Roscoe Pico train couldn't arrest them. And so they would head to the county line. Some of y'all remember this. Y'all are old enough. Y'all are senile like me. And so they would get it and they would cross the county line. And then he, why, why was it when they got outside of there that he couldn't do anything, that he couldn't arrest him? Because he had no authority in that realm. He had a delegated authority, but it was only for that area. Are you tracking? But the authority that he had was, was not his own. It was delegated by Boss Hog. So I think that's right, right? So understanding this is that God gives you areas for you to take dominion over. And it's a delegated authority. All the authority is his, but he gives you permission to govern with him. This is what being a kingdom citizen is. Priests and kings. And we get a little scared, you know, because we live in a culture that doesn't understand kingdom. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created humans, human beings in his own image. In the image, remember that, in the image of God, he created them. So we always say this, every person's worthy of honor because they're created in the image of God. Yes, even that person. Male and female, he created them. So they might not be living according to his will, his standards, but they are still created in the image of God. Therefore, they have value. Then God blessed them. Woo! And said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. So the Lord blesses them and then gives them a mandate. The blessing is for a mandate. The blessing isn't just so you can get fat with blessing. I mean, God blesses you so you can be a blessing. Not so you can just grow fat with blessing. God gives you victory not just so you can have it and go, yes, I'm victorious, but so you can show other people how to walk in victory. Everything that God gives us, he gives us to steward. And we know what happens, right? I mean, God shows up. Perfect scenario. Every day, they're like hanging out with God in the garden. I mean, they've got like acreage. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're like drinking coffee in the literal Garden of Eden. I mean, it's good. You, you think, no, you think if you just had the perfect environment that you, do, you wouldn't sin. They were in the perfect environment. God was there every day hanging out with them. Yet there was temptation. And yet there was sin and man fell. And what happened when man fell is he gave away the delegated authority that he had. This is why in the New Testament it says the devil is the, the prince of the power over the air. So the earth is the Lord's, but the enemy has governance. And he has, and he has that, and he has authority because we give it up. This is why you can't blame the devil. The devil made me do it. No, no, no. If it, it, you have authority over the devil. Some of y'all don't think that. Oh, not me. You, you don't know what I, you, you do. If you will believe it and you'll walk in it. 
But the problem is you're too busy submitting to him instead of submitting to God. So Romans 5, 17, and, and he messed it up, right? Adam messed it up for all of us. We know this. For the trespasses of this one man, death reigned through that one man. And then he says this, and we're, you know, the fall, sin, entered the world, yes. Don't glorify the sin, glorify the cross. Here it is. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, not the work of righteousness, the gift of righteousness, righteousness is a gift, you, listen, you don't, get to be, you don't get to grow in righteousness. It's a gift. You yield to righteousness. You receive righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because you were a good boy or a good girl. Because you weren't. You were just yielded. And the Lord makes you right. As right as he is. How much more those that receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ. So he says that you were messed up, you gave up the keys, but guess what? How much more because of the cross? How much more because of God's beautiful righteousness? How much more, not because of your works, but because of his work, now you will reign in life because of what Jesus did. It's a transcendent victory. You receive freedom, you give freedom. Freely receive, freely give. You receive healing, you give healing. You receive deliverance, you give deliverance. Sometimes you give it before you got it. And faith believing that you're gonna, gonna step into it. Well, I just don't have any encouragement, so I can't encourage anybody. Why don't you just try to go ahead and do that and you watch? Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed, as Proverbs says. So Jesus reclaimed the authority that we lost in the garden. So now in Christ, we are dominion agents. You're an agent of dominion. You're not a sinner. You sin, but that's not your identity. You sin this morning. Probably, right? Come on. I mean, you might not have cussed or, you know, or, you know, murder somebody on the way. To, but you, but you, you definitely missed the mark this morning. I guarantee you did. You didn't do something right. I mean, is there anyone here yet? Did you love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your, so all of your being completely, 100%? Did you do that? Uh, I want to. Well, we're not talking about what you want to. We're talking about what you did. And you fell short of that standard. I mean, that standard all is all. That's a lot. You don't have to do that to be redeemed, but by being redeemed, that becomes the point. And we're not even going to get into justifying your sin because if you're thinking, well, what can I get away with? Then you've missed it. What can you, be, what can you take victory over? And listen, some of the battles, 
Let me just share this with you right now. Some of you are battling like habitual sin. One of the greatest gifts that you can give the Lord is to take dominance over that. Because he's given you the power to do it. We are dominion agents. Dominion is in God's nature and it's in ours. And this is why we're competitive. What was I? I was about to make up a word. This is why we're competitive and, and, and we're driven towards achievement and all this type of things. And, and listen, it is important that you understand because many people, they'll take a message like this and they'll, you know, they're going in and they're acting like they own the place and they're not doing it with the heart of Jesus. You know, they're, they're, their flesh isn't submitted. They haven't even taken dominion over their carnality, right? Because they've made it about things. And listen, there's nothing wrong with things as long as you're using those things to serve the king. The Lord wants, I, I will say this, the Lord wants you in whatever you're doing to be successful, not so that you can be fat with blessing, but so that you can glorify the Lord through what you're doing. So I'm just declaring millions over you. <laughs> not so you can have a bigger house. Not so you can have a bigger car or jet airplane or, or something like that. I mean, if you had that, would you be using it for the kingdom? Not for you, but for God. So, and we reign just as Adam did with the presence of the Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord is all about taking dominion with his presence, with him, co-heirs, co-laborers. It's a thing that we're doing with the Lord. He's in it because you're in him. So the presence of the Lord, when we talk about the presence of the Lord, we, we see the presence of the Lord in several ways in scripture, right? I mean, we, we just see it. The Lord was here. Moses is, you know, running really from his calling and God calls him. God shows up in a bush, right? A burning bush through an object. God says, I'm going to possess that thing and I'm going to, I'm going to call Moses. And he does that. We see Jacob, encounters the Lord through this angel he wrestles with. All throughout the scripture, you see God show up in different ways, revealing himself, attaching to these things. But there's a particular item, an object that God attaches himself to that we're gonna study a little bit today and more as we go through this series. And, and that object is the Ark of the Covenant. Y'all have heard of the Ark of the Covenant? You've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Have y'all seen that? Yep. I watched a little clip of it yesterday and people's faces are like melting off. It's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way I feel during worship. I feel like my face is melting off. <laughs> Does anybody ever get there? You're like in worship and you're just like, ah! <laughs> no, you need to, you need to get there. Like, so yeah, I don't have those encounters. Are you pressing in? Like, I, I, I mean, I, listen, I don't ever get tired of worshiping the Lord. Like I'm, I'm just like, in it. I love to worship the Lord because I, I like, I like, it probably sounds a little selfish. I like the way I feel when I worship the Lord and I'm not worshiping for that feeling. I'm just love him and I want to love on him. And then when I'm there, he's just like, because his, his glory, his presence is rich and it's heavy. And so I'm just getting like crushed. I'm like, whoa, you're so good. You're better, you're better this Sunday than you were last Sunday. You're not really, you're the same good. I'm just experiencing more of your goodness. I just love it. Just getting, getting plastered. All right. In the holy way, most holy way. 
don't know why people think that stuff's so funny. It's just so funny. All right. So the Lord, you know, you know Moses' story, right? He goes, he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. He goes to the desert. The, the point of him going to the desert wasn't so they could spend 40 years there. That wasn't really the intention of God. The plan was for them to go there and get the covenant and then start moving into the things that God has promised. But they started complaining and they started being driven by fear and all this kind of stuff. And it stuck them in that season. It, what, what was a season became a lifetime. Some of you, some of you, there's people that are, like, they're always in a season. Oh, it's just a season. It's just such a hard season. Such a hard season. It's like, this is the season. This is your life. I mean, I, 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 we all know people like that, right? I'm oh, just going through a season. It's like, you're always going through a season. It seems like that, like, you need to exercise some dominion. I'm your pastor. I, I love you. And so the Lord gives them the law. And this is just this crazy thing that happens. He's gone for like five minutes and they're into idolatry. And he smashes the law and the Lord gives him another one. So the Lord gives him the law and, it's, and it says in the scriptures that God actually inscribed these stones. He took stones and God wrote on them. And this was his standard. And he gives it to Moses. And so then the Lord tells him, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to build a tabernacle. Now they don't have a home. They're mobile church, right? They're kind of going around. And so as, as they're traveling around the desert, the Lord gives them a model for this. It's called a tabernacle. It's basically a tent and in the tent was the prototype for what would be the temple later. And so this tent has different areas. There's an, it's a place where the people could come to worship, but there's different parts of it, right? There's, there's a holy place, and then there's a most holy place. And inside the most holy place, God tells Moses, he says, I want you to build, and this is before he builds any of this. He says, I want you to build this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. The Covenant has the covenant that God wrote that he says, this is your end of the, that you're supposed to do. And he puts the Ten Commandments in there. And so they put it in this Ark. And then he tells them, now I want you to build this temple. And I want you to put that in the most sacred place inside. It's not really a temple, it's a tent. Later it'll become a temple. But right now the children of Israel had no home. So they're traveling around. And so they're kind of homeless. And so the presence of the Lord is in this. And the Lord says that, that I'm gonna come down and whenever I leave the tent, then you leave, then you pack up the tent and you, you follow where I'm going. And the Lord leads them by a, a pillar, a, a cloud by day and a fire by night as this pillar that they're kind of following around all this. But the point of the whole tent, the tabernacle, the whole point was this object called the Ark of the Covenant. It was all built around that. It was like the back room, right? You guys know, like, like at the place at work where you work, they have a room that only certain people can go into that room, right? It's like the holy place. It's like where the, where the Oz is making things happen, right? It's, it's the back room. That's where the business takes place. And so the thing is, is only Moses and the high priest can go in there. They're the only ones that can go in this place. And they can only go in 
The, the high priest can only go in once a year to make atonement for his people because there was a standard and the standard was God's law and they were breaking it just like we are. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We got a picture of the ark. So this is kind of what the ark looks like. Okay, it's not real big. It's a lot smaller than that. Raiders of the lost ark made it a little bit big. It's actually only about four foot long and it's about two and a half foot tall and about two and a half foot wide. And it's made out of like the most precious wood, the most valuable wood. And then it's laid over with gold. They put gold, all, you can read all about this in Exodus 25. So you'll go home and you'll study that, right? And the, it's got these rings on the ends and these poles that run through it, these wood poles, and that's for carrying it because you're not actually supposed to touch the ark itself because it's sacred. And it's made with all, it's very expensive. They spend all, all that money on this sacred object. And it has this cherubim with their, with their wings pointed towards one another. And the children of Israel considered the Ark of the Covenant the throne of God. This was God's throne on the earth. And so right where those wings touch and the, and the, and the, the box top is made out of pure gold. And inside of it set the covenant. Okay, so it's the Ark of the Covenant. It's how the covenant is carried around. And it's totally sacred. It's not an idol. In fact, there's no image on it. The wings are, are spread out. It looks like it should be an image there. Who are they worshiping? And so what would happen is the presence of the Lord would come down and he would rest on this place where their wings touch. It's called the mercy seat. And so what would happen is the priests would come in knowing that the people were breaking the law, the contents of the chest, knowing the people were breaking the law. And so what the priest would do is once a year on the day of atonement, he would come and he would, he would basically satisfy the expectations of God for the people by applying blood on the mercy seat. Come on, some of y'all already picking this up. And when he applied the blood, the glory of the Lord would come and it filled the temple and it was fragrant and it was beautiful. And before the priest could even go in there, he had to do, go through all these ceremonial cleansing things because if he had sin, which he did, he would die just by being in the presence of the Lord. They got that part right, kind of right, on, on the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They open it, they're like, Wah. they kind of start laughing and then the Lord comes and takes them all out. It was, it was weird. It's actually aged pretty well. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good for being like 800 years old. So it's, it's important to know this, that this is a sacred item. You're not to touch it. In fact, the children of Israel couldn't even look at it. The only time they could ever see it is when the glory departed from it and, and, and then it was being transferred. And the only people that could transfer were these priests. You had to be born of a certain group of people you had to go through all these ceremonial cleansing things and, and then you could carry the Ark of the Covenant. So this is, and, and again, the whole, the, the whole blood on the mercy seat and all that kind of stuff. It's just very powerful. This is what it says. So Moses has all this built and he has the Ark of the Covenant there. Y'all okay? And it says this in Exodus 40, verse 33. So at last Moses finished his work. Whew. At last Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could not 
could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it. So it was like the presence of the Lord was so thick, they couldn't go in. That's awesome. The kabod is, is the word in the, in the Hebrew. Kabod means weight, the weighty presence of God. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel set out on their journey and follow it. And that's what we're gonna do in the series. We're gonna kind of follow the ark around. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. Then the cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle day and night, and the night fire uh, glowed inside the clouds so the whole family of Israel could see it. Don't you love that? The whole family of Israel could see it. And this continued through all their journeys. Now, fun fact, Many people, y'all know Psalm 91, right? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. So most of the time we attribute that, that to David. A lot of people, a lot of Jewish historians believe that Moses actually wrote this after the temple was constructed. That Moses says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest under the shadow of the Almighty, the presence of the Lord. He said, this is what I say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. And then he says in verse nine, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Lord your shelter, no evil will conquer you. So he's talking about the dominion of God. Even here, he's getting it that God is ruling from, and this is why we're gonna follow around the ark because this is the, God's throne on the earth at this particular time. I wanna go back to that thought. When Moses finished his work, the glory came. Can I tell you, when Jesus finished his work, the glory came. And the glory came and it filled the temple. You know who the temple is? You. So the scripture tells us in the New Testament that we are no longer going to a place and, and, and to a temple to worship God. We don't worship, Jesus said it neither here nor there. They worship in spirit and truth. Jesus says, listen, you're just gonna, wherever you're at, you're gonna worship. You don't have to go to a place to worship. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians three sixteen. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, that you are his tabernacle, that you are traveling through life and you have the spirit of God living inside of you? that in the core of your being, God's throne resides. His presence, his spirit, he's seated in your life. Will you get this, beloved? He's not just here to give you goosebumps. You'll get goosebumps. They're coming. He loves to bring joy to you. He loves, he loves to give you pleasure. But I'm here to tell you today that he is residing in you for much, much, much more than that. We're not just here to enjoy him, although we do. We are here to advance him because the spirit of God is in us. And as we move through life as earthly tabernacles, the presence of the Lord is coming. The presence of the Lord is abiding. We're, leading, we're, we're following his lead. We're being led by the spirit. So the Lord, his revealed presence, in this case, we see in the Old Testament, and now his revealed presence is an expression of his dominion. So when you're in worship and the Lord shows up and things start happening, the reason is because things are being called under his dominion. 
and you focus on the Lord and it's like he is just, he's seated there. He inhabits praise. Oh, that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. That's why praise precedes the victory because he inhabits praise. He just, he, he's like, oh, I love it. Let me get there. Let me reveal myself. He's already there, but he's saying, let me, let me reveal my presence. There's a song we sing sometimes. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. Why? It's just when he shows up, he's just like, no more discouragement. No more sickness. No more overthinking. No more chaos. No more anxiety when he shows up. He just takes dominion. And it all just starts in this place of just saying, Lord, I'm yielded to your reign.